afternoon good evening good morning good night uh, doesn't matter which part of the world you are in and uh, welcome back to another podcast episode of sky lounge and this is one that i'm really excited about because it's a little bit different and of course you can't see alex as i can see on the screen but wow she's she's got a blue t-shirt in a new york t-shirt that's right she's got she's looking extremely professional today with the microphone as well and then of course as usual she's got the world map behind her so i think this episode is going to be a little bit of a different one um it's going to be much more informal not like any but but that's not to say any of our episodes are formal with all our guests uh it's just the two of us around this time and uh before i allow alex to speak uh, uh it, what is it going to be about it's going to be a little bit about airlines the actual experience so alex is not going to talk about strategic overview she's going to talk about her actual experience on a very real airline uh which she i mean which she took a few i think weeks ago now alex was it oh god yeah i think it was a few weeks ago yeah time flies yeah uh, yeah time really flies and alex has been the true flyer so she's not been the virtual aviation geek like i have been over the last few few months she's been doing a lot of flights how many flights uh, last two months alex uh, any guesses any estimates well first of all hi everyone sorry yeah <laughs> because i i no no I, i just felt like we were jumping straight into business um how many flights i've done yeah that's a good question to be honest i don't know that's a good sign right when i don't know how many flights it means like i'm pretty satisfied with the number quite a lot correct correct and and uh, you know i've been following her in terms of the different flights whether it's striped aeroplanes or plain white aeroplanes or blue aeroplanes or whatever color the aeroplanes are uh, alex has been a lot of flying and the green ones i haven't forgotten the green one which somebody reminded me looked like a pickled cucumber but that's another story that's another story again so yeah and i think uh, you know i thought it would it would be the good opportunity for for me to act as the interviewer this time and maybe you know put alex not on a hot seat because sky lounge is never no. about the hot seats always about relaxed coffee, comfortable driven seats. seats and comfortable seats so to t- to maybe take us through her experiences um and in particular i was always been interested in one airline uh, the particular airline that she's had uh, quite quite a nice experience on um Uh, you want to uh, give them the name of the airline uh, alex well i am wearing blue right so this is a very obvious hint we're going to be talking is it klm uh, oh yeah KLM. right right I... that's not so obvious you're right yeah well no it's not klm you want to try again i uh, will we'll give a small pause for our listeners to actually guess da 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 yeah but It's JetBlue. Yeah, JetBlue. And um if you are following our podcast, you probably know by now that uh this is a really like I would say at the moment this is my very favorite airline. Um I haven't flown them so much like 
it's not the airline of my choice always just because I'm living in Europe, right? So I cannot fly most of my time with them. But when I am in the US and now I've given this opportunity, you know, um, to travel transatlantic and, you know, they, they started operations from few hubs in Europe. And when I noticed, when I read in the news that they are going to be launching Amsterdam, I thought, wow, okay, I have to be there. And uh, basically that's what we will be talking about this uh, today, this um, inaugural flight. And just in general, right, about their business model, uh, because as I started like as a low cost, is it really low cost? We're going to be talking about um, some other uh, airlines in the US, because in my recent trip, I had a few other experiences. And of course, we will touch base on the merge, possible merge, right? Uh, with Spirit, how we think this is just our own personal opinions. We're going to be expressing how it's going to be looking like. So that's just the agenda for, for the episode. And uh, where do we start? Uh, David, guide me because, you know, I'm just still, it's been already three weeks or four weeks. I, I don't remember, but I'm still like full of sweet memories and uh, I'm a little bit lost uh, as to where we start. Okay, let's uh, maybe start this way around. Uh, so just for the sake of all our listeners, so this flight was from which airport to which airport? Yes, it was from Amsterdam to GFK. Ah, so my KLM was pretty close. Uh, as far that as... was very close. Okay. That was very close, yeah. So basically the only blue in Amsterdam now is not KLM. I would say it's JetBlue as well. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Uh, how long was the flight, Alex? I mean, how, how long did, how long was it? Uh, what was the particular flight? How long did it take? Um, I didn't check back. I would say 7.30, something like that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, in terms of hours, how many hours was it? Oh, yeah, that's exactly it. 7.30. Yeah, 7 hours, 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? The reason I, I sort of paused there and I asked the question again was, and it was on a narrow body aircraft. It was on a narrow body. Well, I didn't check like the exact duration, um, but I think it was around that time. Yeah, probably. Wow. Okay. So the reason why I'm a little bit thinking about there is number one is uh, we are all normally used to, you know, wide body aircraft when it comes to long haul flights. Uh, personally, for me as well, on a on a flight of, I mean, a narrow body aircraft, two hours, three hours, four hours is normally the limit. But when you normally think about a really, I mean, I would call this a medium haul flight of seven hours on a narrow body aircraft, you know, my thoughts go to, oh my goodness me, uh, I wonder how the experience would have been. Um, but I think, you know, JetBlue is one of those innovators that are actually pushing the boundaries of what I call as, you know, you know, really pushing narrow body aircraft uh, as far as they can go, plus providing an experience that is worthy of a nice wide body aircraft. But I think we're going to touch upon that experience later. So, so just let's talk, let's start with the ground first, the ground experience, because for me, I also look at how an airline is on the ground and how it is on the air. How is the, so those two experiences sort of should mesh together. Uh, let's start with your initial experience and being an inaugural flight, of course, I'm sure there would have been a lot of excitement in the air, so to say. So let's start with the ground first and then let's take us through the entire journey, you know, boarding, onboard, 
you know, so I want to visualize it and I hope our listeners, our listeners can also visualize it as well. So off you go. Okay, okay. I'll do my best. On the ground, uh, yes, there was a little bit of celebration even at the um, check-in desk. So there were some balloons uh, and a poster on the side saying that uh, Schiphol Airport congratulates JetBlue on the inaugural. A few people uh, from JetBlue uh, were there standing next to balloons. So like you could see that it's not just an ordinary check-in, something is happening, you know. I just wonder how many people uh, on that flight actually knew this is inaugural, because my feeling is that not everyone knew, you know. Of, of course, I was there on purpose, but like some people were just looking at balloons like, oh, I wonder why, what's it all about? Like, um, I didn't check in my bag, as you already know from the previous episodes, I... I rarely check in my bag, so I only had a carry-on. And, uh, well, I actually did stop by because I had a question. Um, because my, my permanent residency is European, but then my passport is different and I have a visa for the US. So I want to just double check because I don't check in my bag, right? How they want to do my um, document verification. And um, at the check-in, they told me, no worries, just go ahead. At the gate, you will be checked, no problem. I said, okay, fine, great. Um, then I went to uh, through the security and security at Amsterdam. Like, I just enjoyed so much, if you can say so, about going through security. Because you don't need to pull out your laptop, your liquids, take this, take that. You can keep everything in your bags and this is like we are living 21st century this should be normality but this is still a miracle to me only a few airports have this so i was going through security like very easy and seamlessly no second check whatever they let me go and then well then i went to the gate because i was hoping to see a few people that i know from JetBlue, so maya Hi, Maya, uh, General Manager Europe, um, uh, JetBlue. Uh, I knew that she will be there and I wanted to say hi. We, we've been interacting over LinkedIn for years and that was like a great opportunity to meet. So I stopped by and I didn't see anyone and I thought, okay, well, then I'll come back. So just walked around a little bit and, uh, and then I thought, you know what, uh, I just want to have like um, a glass of champagne. So JetBlue... Um, I was flying in Mint, right? But JetBlue, um, they don't have lounges, so they don't give you access to lounges. So I couldn't go to lounge for that. And uh, I just found like a little a little cafe next to the gate. And I've got a glass of champagne for myself and just observing the, the, the gate. And then I've seen they're cutting the stripe, you know, because this is the inaugural. So I missed it. I missed it. I could... <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I should have stayed. Uh, well, anyway, I just uh, quickly then went to the gate and uh, yeah, spoke to spoke to Maya, uh, met everyone on her team. They they actually at the gate they did call my name for this document verification check. Um, they checked my passport. All the all good. Uh, at the gate, they were giving cupcakes, uh, JetBlue cupcakes. Uh, they were giving 
wooden tulips and here we go i wanted to showcase ah there there you are i can i can see a lovely tulip in in alex's hand so she's got a nice memento from the trip exactly Ex and david this tulip wooden tulip survived i don't know like uh, five flights and two train rides in total it it must be like a metal wooden tulip because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how how it survived. So yeah, uh, was really was really easy at the ground. Everything like on time, or at least it was. It fell for me like on time. Maybe there was a slight delay, but who cares? I mean, I was I wanted to stay there for an hour, uh, another hour, just chatting to people. Enjoyed it so much, and yeah, then we got on board. On board. The crew just immediately coming by, saying their name, introducing themselves, like saying that they will be taking care of you. And that's what I want to emphasize about the crew. They are just so friendly, but friendly in a very like... Informal? Uh, informal and honest. They are not faking it they don't want to like seem friendly they are friendly and they really want to accommodate you i also just want to mention that at the gate i've seen someone walking by with a really big dog and i have fear of dogs like i'm scared i have a phobia you know even if i see a teeny tiny uh, smiling dog i i'm running away i had bad experience when i was a kid so at the gate and i was standing with my and my noticed that and uh, you know she's like or where are you sitting? So they, they started che checking, you know, where I am sitting and when where person with dog is sitting. I was 5A, yeah, so person with a dog was three opposite, like, what's that? It's a little bit different, you know, like, deep, whatever. So when I got on board and I told her, I think it should be fine. I mean, we have a row and uh, I can always use restroom the opposite end, like, <laughs> I don't mind. Uh, when I have got on board... Uh, Nico, the per the person who was there, who was taking care of me, he came and he asked, I heard you are afraid of dogs. If you want, we can put you in the back somewhere further away from, from, from the dog. And that is something that you don't see. Like, you know, this communication between people. And I didn't tell Nico that I am afraid of dogs, but he knew. And he wanted to accommodate me he didn't say oh no worries this dog is like the friendliest dog ever that's what i hear all the time you know it's not barking it's not biting no worries he really tried to understand that whatever he tells me you know doesn't matter i'll be still scared so that was really nice that was really nice and uh, yeah we we departed as i said on time um jet blue food is another thing that i want to mention so good do, do 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 you want to interrupt me and ask some question? I see. No, no, I'm I'm no no I'm listening and I'll I've got a few points. I just wanted you to go through the experience because I didn't want to break the flow. It's like a journey, and I I don't and if I have to, I'll I'll jump in. So 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 we talked about communication. Now let's talk about a very interesting thing about airlines is food. So you know I was thinking about lunch and dinner. So please go ahead, Alex. Oh, food. F food is amazing. Food is amazing. So you are given... A, um, hold on. Is menu on the card or is it all digital? No, no. I think menu, you are still given a menu. Yeah, you are still given a menu. You could see. And they have a very interesting concept of small plates. So it's sort of like uh, tapas style, but 
yeah, I don't know how to describe it, but like small plates where you can mix and match. You can pick uh, three out of uh, five. Yeah. Okay. And of course you can pre-order. I am vegetarian. So sometimes I do pre-order. Most of the times I don't. On transatlantic, almost every airline, they would have at least two options. One of which would be vegetarian pasta, like always pasta. Boring, but okay, <laughs> well. <laughs> um, and, and, but because I am vegetarian, and David, I don't know if this is something that only I noticed or other people who follow vegetarian diet noticed as well, is that somehow airlines think if you are vegetarian, you eat much less. Yeah. And actually, you, you don't need food, like just a little bit, you know, just just a salad leaf, uh, one cucumber um, and dessert. Dessert, you will you will have like a slice of pineapple um, and that's it. Yeah. So, so you just, can I, can I, can yeah, I jump in? Jump, can jump, I jump, jump in over jump. there? You, you, just, you just reminded me. It's like of the one, the case that we had of the banana on, I think, oh, yeah, where, where he just got a banana. But coming to your point about vegetarians and food, you're right, because I normally, uh, and just funnily, uh, Vimal just posted, you know, just did a post today on, on the previous episode. Uh, you know, if you check his post uh, today. Uh, I was talking about, uh, he talked about food uh, on a comment that I put in and he said it's either chicken or fish. And I was going to put on uh, the comment and saying, yeah, but we also have the vegetarians as well. But you're right. Whenever I want something quicker, I normally put in an Asian veg meal. And you're right. The portions, the type of salad you get. And on my last few experiences, they've been skipping the desert. So they've been absolutely zero desert. I was thinking, okay, but vegetarians, maybe they thought, you know, the egg but then I was saying, oh my God, no, I, I just get, like you said, the small piece of pineapple and that's enough. Exactly, exactly. And bread, I mean, normally they serve warm bread and go in with a basket. And for vegetarians, usually it's a wrapped like uh, stone bread that you can, you know, break walls with that bread. Like it's really <laughs> so, so my point is that being vegetarian, I am little bit concerned about portion size yeah that this will be enough for me so and i'm checking the menu i would exactly get because out of five three were vegetarian two salads and one like warm uh, dish but i also know that in jet blue uh, core uh, in the bag they have mac and cheese they offer mac and cheese. And I was like, well, actually, it's not on the menu in Min, but I want mac and cheese, you know. <laughs> uh, when Nico came around, uh, and actually you do order on the screen. This is also a very important thing. You just touch and you see pictures and you pre-order there. Very easy, very easy. Then Nico came around for, for, for drinks um, order. Yeah. And I'll talk about drinks just in a second. But I actually told him, uh, you know what, I've got this three, but I'm actually dying for mac and cheese from Chorus. Well, is it okay if, you know, I ask you to bring it? And he's like, you know what, that's absolutely no problem, but just check the portion size first. And I told him, you know, because usually like it's very like little for vegetarians, so I would want to have something extra. And he said... Absolutely no problem. I could bring it, but do you want to check portion size first and then you tell me, but I'll, I'll make it ready for you. I said, well, yeah, super. 
And when he brought food, I actually, you know, I was um, grateful uh, that he warned me and he told me to check it first because actually that was enough for me. Absolutely enough. It would be waste, which I don't want to create, you know, with mac and cheese. So um, absolutely tasty, absolutely tasty food. Like really, that's the food you almost never get on an airplane. Like, I don't know, maybe in first class, I never flew first class, but in business class, uh, yeah, I can compare it to a few other times, but this is like amazing. And cocktails. So they have drink menu. They have uh, they have cocktails, uh, mint condition. This is a specially designed cocktail for jet blue. Mint? What is it called? Mint? Mint condition. Mint condition. Okay. I, it, I think I, I just had a lime and mint the other day and I was thinking of, of the podcast because, you know, mint and all that. And mint is such a refreshing sort of, you know you know sound as well you need when you hear the word mint oh wow so tell, tell what, what was in mint condition what was it so actually you can choose you can choose gin or vodka and then it's uh, lime juice uh and uh, and something else <laughs> but it tasted nice it tasted very good it tasted very good and they make it just there just there in the galley they are mixing it up for you so it's not like prepackaged bottled cocktail that they are serving they're just mixing it there and then of course they have wines and other like um, drinks non-alcoholic drinks coffee uh, really good coffee as well Uh, you can get oat milk uh, if you want you know so like really they are accommodating you dessert to be honest i didn't even have because i was so full so but it looked amazing from the side um So food was really great. And then uh, it was a day flight, right? So it's not like I was sleepy. But of course, I wanted to give it a try to the the bed. And the pillow and duvet, they're just so nice like everything but can can i yeah yeah, but can i stop you over there i mean i'm trying to picture myself okay of course i i mean you made me sort of oh my god feel even more hungry when you talked about the food alex so you know oh my god that's gonna be i mean once we get off this call i'm I'm gonna i'm just gonna have something to eat again but i'm sure it will not be as nice as what you had and normally you're right Uh, most airlines when i think of flying i think oh let's not order food because sometimes it's like you know you waste so much you really end up wasting so much, but okay, that's that's uh, that's how airline food is. So it is actually refreshing to see that an airline is really doing something different with their food. But me trying to picture you, and you say it's a dare flight, I can still picture a narrow body, you know, 321. Oh, oh my goodness me, you know, you have the traditional seats, you know, you know in a row, two and two is what you normally, uh, you know, see. And of course, uh, but I'm trying to picture out how is this seat, how is the ambience on board? Uh, how would you sort of describe it for all our listeners and for me, of course? Oh, yeah, that's actually a really good point. Uh, and I should have probably mentioned that in the beginning because it's not traditional 2-2. Two, two. Uh, it is 1-1. One, one. So, oh, yeah, okay. it is 1-1. Oh. One, one. Every seat has a direct aisle access. And you've got like quite a lot of room first two so one a and one i should have looked it up what is on the other side is it f or it's definitely not b but it's some some different letter right so the opposite side they are called mean studios 
and there you have even more space, right? There you can even have someone having a meal with you. So presumably, you know, you are flying with someone and you are sitting, you know, on the opposite ends. So you can actually have meal together because there's enough sitting room. But honestly, for me, even my 5A, which is not mean studio, was perfectly fine. The, the only thing that I also, you know, um, want to mention is that it's herringbone configuration, right? So it, it, it's an angled seat. And I, I don't know, actually, this is the first time that I flew herringbone. Um, I felt a little bit funny at the times of turbulence. Um, I would rather be in a straight position, you know, and usually I don't have those issues, but I noticed that, you know, I didn't feel bad or something. It's just like, it's different. Maybe because it was first time, so just I'm not used to herringbone, right? Also, I love looking out of the window and actually in this configuration to look out of the window, you have to turn your neck like this, literally. And maybe that's why I felt funny because I, I've been spending quite a lot of time <laughs> in this position, you know, and you listeners cannot see it, but it's not a comfortable position that I'm trying to show to David. Um, that's the only thing, but again, yeah, it's just me and I'm sure if I fly again, maybe I'll also know that, you know, I shouldn't be looking out of the window so much, which is not like helping my body, basically. Did you have experience with herringbone? Oh, uh, no, I'm trying to think of it. No, uh, unless, of course, no, even the Etihad one, I think the latest ones are, no, not, I'm trying to think going back to memory, not that I'm aware of. I've, I've flown mostly mm. the traditional ones. Um, never that. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, to sort of to sort of feel how it is because you know it reminds me of sitting with your back sometimes in the opposite direction. You know, so it's it's like we are so used to traditional plane seats, you know, straight. But I think you know just to take that point on, I think as airlines look at more and more innovative ways to to seat people, especially of course as you saw in our previous episode as well, we focus mostly on economy. But I think even in premium also, airlines will try and find different combinations and permutations to get seats in while still giving people privacy. But also in terms of, I would call it the collective experience of you having a meal with family or a business traveler, things like that. So it'll be interesting to see how seats evolve. And of course, when you're on a narrow body aircraft, what you can do with a premium seat is pretty limited as well. So I think uh, that'll be interesting to see, you know, how our friends who sort of are the whiz kids when it comes to seats sort of disrupt the space, so to say. But then again, you know, you lose a few things, like you said, you know, the angle, looking out of the window. But I guess, you know, for most people, you know, normal travelers, it's about the comfort of the seat. I think that matters perhaps you know, in terms of in terms of the seat seat sort of layouts and the specifications. But for you and for me, I guess, you know, looking out of the window is one of the perks of 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 travel. Yeah, but you know, I think it's just the first time. Honestly, I would I would rather sit again in Herringbone one one rather than if you think on a narrow body what would be the alternative option? It would be two two 
and then one one right with the strong seats so something that i had on erastana and if you are sitting in the strong seat or actually it's the same configuration as the older mint you know that's what they had so if you are sitting in the strong seat being alone that's perfect but if you are sitting with someone definitely definitely herringbone is like a game changer so i think it's superb product it's just i learned my lesson i have to look a little bit uh, less out of the window so i i, I feel more you know <laughs> present and uh, don't break my neck and my whole system feels better but the flight was just superb then i tried to sleep for a bit just to give a try to a bed but it's a day flight so i didn't want to sleep right um just you know lay down a little bit and uh, but it's also very comfortable you can adjust and um you know you can sort of like sit uh, in a in a comfortable chair not like laying down but also not like straight sitting and but what is also like superb you can you have just direct aisle access and by the way you have a door as well little door okay wow yeah okay. Wow. little door as well um which you can close and yeah time flew by that's why you know i had struggles uh, telling you how long was the flight because it felt like one hour it felt like i could fly another seven hours can i can i just jump in then of course so we talked about the experience we talked about the food but you know one of my other favorite things on an on an airline is the in-flight entertainment and you know seven hours a few minutes is good enough to get in maybe two pictures or two nice movies in so so i mean uh, what are your comments on their in-flight entertainment after all i just want to remind our viewers that we are talking about JetBlue, which is technically a low-cost airline or mm. only technically <laughs> yeah but i think they won't like that i think they would prefer being called a hybrid airline so i mean let's let's take away the low cost because whatever i heard right now is definitely not you know low cost uh, because if it's low cost then it's setting the bar very high for premium airlines so what about the in-flight entertainment i mean did you have a screen or did you or was there no in-flight in entertainment yeah, of course of course yeah i had a screen and actually in those mean studios you know which i was not sitting in but uh -huh. they say they have the 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 biggest the largest screen entertainment screen in business class like on all airlines on any airline yeah on yeah yeah, yeah on any airline in business class that's what i be believe that is the case yeah okay and but, but my screen in my not mean studio in my normal mean seat was big enough for me and uh, yeah i could choose so many movies and shows and they have live tv so you can watch tv on my flight back i was watching us open U.S. Open semi-final, and that was mind-blowing. You are sitting on a plane departing New York, and you are watching something that is happening just like, I don't know, 20 kilometers from you in real life. Amazing. And they have free Wi-Fi, David. High-speed Wi-Fi for everyone. Economy means everyone, and it works. You can stream. Just a question on that. I'm, I'm being a little bit skeptical here. So when you talk about Wi-Fi in-flight, it rings a few alarm bells. Number one is, I don't call it streaming generally because most Wi-Fi in the air is not streaming. You know what I mean when I use the word. 
And then a lot of airlines that do offer Wi-Fi, number one is, of course, you're only limited to WhatsApp call, WhatsApp messages or limited sort of, you know, handful of things, uh, you know. But when you talk about Wi-Fi as in Wi-Fi, is this like any Wi-Fi, everything, you can access everything or are you limited by you cannot do this, you cannot do that? I mean, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. And the, that time I was not surprised because I knew about it and I had experienced that before. But I remember my first flight with JetBlue some years ago when the first time I experienced this high-speed streaming on, in, on, on, on an airplane, I, I just spent the entire five hours. I remember it was LAX to JFK. Entire five hours doing stuff on the internet just watching. It's like I couldn't do that on the ground, but somehow it felt like very unique for me at that time, you know, that I could do it. And even now when I get on board, it's such a thing that makes everything so easy because usually, you know, with other airlines, you don't know if you're going to have Wi-Fi, if you're not going to have Wi-Fi. So you have to inform, you know, significant others, family members, everyone that, you know, um, you know what, I now I'm boarding, so I'll reconnect in some like 10 hours when I get to my hotel, whatever. Here, you can literally send a picture at the takeoff. We just took off, pam, pam, pam. And of course, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> How much do they charge you for it? Zero. It's free, David. That's the best thing even in the economy. It's free. Really? Actually, so I'm, I'm a little bit... So for me, I've got two views here. One is, of course, I'm not a fan of Wi-Fi on board. I'll tell you why. Um, you know, I normally think, you know, get on the airplane, you get cut off with the real world, so to say. Nobody's able to message you. Nobody's able to text you. You know, you're in your own sort of own space. And no matter how much you stress about things or whatever it is, it doesn't matter till you land. Nobody can connect. Nobody can connect with you. That's my sort of my personal thing about, uh, you know, in terms of Wi-Fi. So I'm a little bit, you know, sad in the sense that, you know, this, of course, is going to be the future. Obviously, you know, Wi-Fi is so quick uh, that you can connect with anyone, see whatever you want, actually stream things. So I'm happy for for innovation, technology and advancement, hurrah and all that. But for me, you know, I'm a little bit old fashioned that way. So perhaps even when I'm on board the next time, I'll just put my plane on my, my phone on plane mode. And, and, you know, boom. But but you're right. I mean, uh, it was one of those things that airlines needed to get, you know, right because people want to be connected. And uh, and that was the part that was missing. And most of all, when you say it's free, that lot sort of, and especially in economy, that makes it, that sort of increases the experience on that particular airline. Wow. Okay. So things are really, really changing. Things are changing. Yeah, exactly. So you see, that's why I absolutely love this airline because it's just so different. And when, sorry, I have like a complete mess in my mind because I'm so blown away by this experience and I'm still, it feels like I'm still there. So I might be missing on some parts, but it's, you know, popping up in my mind randomly. Of course, they've been serving as well, like a pre-arrival snack, which I skipped because my food uh, finally on an airplane was enough for me so I didn't even want the pre-arrival snack yeah and then Nico my flight attendant on that flight he came to me and gave the, the handwritten card you know and that is what I also 
almost never see on an airplane. I, I never seen that on an airplane. He wrote a card, like they wrote a card, you know, thank you for flying with us. And uh, it was so touching. And I did give them a card back. <laughs> so I, I knew, of course, I knew about this, uh, you know, tradition that they are doing. And I absolutely admire it. So I bought like a few cards back in Berlin uh, with airplanes. So it, it, it was quite a challenge to find uh, cards with airplanes, but I managed. And, um, you know, I wrote, I wrote also a card back and... I could see that they were so surprised and happy with that, with that small gesture because I guess cabin crew they don't always receive this like positive feedback because you know and that's what we talked in our previous episode you know as humans we are we are so generous with like bad and negative feedback but we are so mean Correct. with just saying thank you saying words of appreciation and they could see that this card made them smile and uh, it made me smile so amazing we arrived at uh, terminal 5 at gfk and that was the quickest passport control that i could remember landing in new york i've been there i don't know maybe 20 times and that is the first time on an international flight i arrived to t5 and that was a breeze david just for this i would fly to T5 without even thinking. And T5 is a JetBlue terminal. Mm, okay. Wow. So I think, you know, if we actually look at your overall experience end-to-end, -end, uh, keeping aside that it was an inaugural flight, and uh, just to remind all our viewers here, I mean, both of us have nothing, Alex and myself have nothing to do with JetBlue. Uh, it's, just, it's just that we sort of love airlines, love flying on them that we always, you know, like to sort of discuss off, offline as well about our experiences on different airlines. And, and we thought, why not talk about it, you know, on the podcast? Because when, like you said, is when there are good things, they need to be talked about. And, uh, you know, this particular experience, I, I can just picture it, Alex, because, you know, I've, I've used to work for KLM, so I know how Skipal is. Uh, as an airport, uh, but then again, you know, when I look at all the pictures of JetBlue, especially Mint, you know, I could just, I could only just sort of try and picture what it is, but by you talking about it, I actually had my eyes closed for some time because I was also picturing myself in, 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 in Mint, you know, and hopefully Mint Studio, but then maybe uh, if I segue a little bit here to, to maybe sort of pull out a few points that you talked about, so I think, you know, you talked about personalization, you know, you kept using, uh, and I use it from a different perspective, not personalization for the passenger, but personalization for the crew. You have used Nico's name, I think about six or seven times, which is normally not the case when you fly in another airline, you don't even remember who the person is, uh, the name, you know, but here, you know, you sort of spoken to him, spoken about him, like you've known him for a long time. And that sort of shows the connection you also spoke about the communication, you know, about your fear of, of dogs and how even when you went on board, he already knew about it and offered to change it. That's been really, you know, proactive as well, you know. And, and of course, giving the cards is such a nice touch because, you know, nowadays buying cards itself is a challenge, but actually writing, writing, most of us, you know, we have lost use of our fingers except for typing. Uh, you know, write, writing and especially if you have to write for every passenger in Mint is something that really takes time. Uh, it takes passion. It shows that attention to detail. 
that really makes a difference. So I think, you know, all these small elements, I don't actually call them small. I would call it, actually, I would call them small, huge, because small, but they have a big impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's like one small element here, one small element there, but together it's like, it's making such a big difference in total. And I also, I know that the main thing that we wanted to discuss is inaugural, right? And listeners might think, oh yeah, of course it's mean. So, uh, I mean, it's business. Of course, it's going to be good. And I want to reverse the story a little bit and tell you about my return flight, which was an economy. So, I mean, as David said, this is nothing to do with JetBlue. We would absolutely want and love them partnering our podcast, but they are not a partner. They are not a sponsor. I just love the airline. That's why we are talking about. So, on my way back, because... On inaugural, I wanted to be in Mint, but on my way back, I booked a core, right? So I was in economy. And to be honest, I expected that it would be quite hard for me to go back from like this experience to economy. I mean, what could be so good in economy that, you know, it would be comparable to my Mint experience? But actually, it was amazing as well. I Initially, I had a, an emergency exit uh, seat, 13A. Uh, but I noticed that the seat is a no recliner. And I'm like, oh, and I have two neighbors. And behind me, there were empty rows, even more space. So I have this even more space, which is sort of premium economy. I tried to speak to the crew and upgrade right there, but they closed the flight, the the accounting for that flight, so they couldn't sell those seats. I should have bought it before. Um, and then you know what? I just I just stepped out, went to the aisle, uh, and I just spoke with the crew. I could see like he was so excited about this flight. Probably that was his first time flying to Amsterdam. I don't know. But he was very excited and we just chatted. I told him I work in the industry as well. And I said, I, I tried to upgrade to even more space, but I couldn't because, you know, I would want to, you know, have a little bit more space and maybe sleep. And then I said, do you know, like, is this flight completely full or is there a chance that I could get like raw for myself somewhere in the back? And he told me, okay, let me check, let me check. He came back to me and he he just uh, wh- whispered like uh, 29 is empty you can go there and I, I just I just run to my row 29 leaving my neighbors in row 13 <laughs> and 29 was was completely empty and I I've got the entire row for myself so I I built like my own mean studio there you know but but, but basically you still have screens at every seat. You still have Wi-Fi. You are provided with a manicure kit. You have a blanket. You you don't have a pillow, but you have a blanket. Yeah, but, but because I had three seats, so basically I collected all three blankets, and that was enough as a pillow as well. I I I didn't want to eat any food because it was 11 p.m. departure, so I just said no, no. They are giving you water. Anytime you want, you can also go to to the galley and grab a bottle of water. Bottle, because this is so convenient, you know. They could refill bottle for you. Amazing. I slept seven hours. I woke up. They were serving warm croissants, and I'm like, 
oh, and this is economy. So you could see like this airline is consistently good, at least in my eyes, like in my personal experience, they are consistently good in different cabins. Um, I, I think that gives, uh, you know, our, our listeners a sort of clear overview of both sides. You know, you've got the premium, the mint view, but you've also got the economy core view as well, Alex. So, you know, I'm sure I would also welcome comments from listeners as well, those who have flown JetBlue, to maybe once we post the episode to also give us their feedback. Um, as far as I know, I've flown JetBlue quite a few years ago, really long time ago, and it was domestic. And uh, I still remember the experience. Of course, domestic flight, I think they charged for headphones. But even though it was quite a few years ago, they had live television, I think they had, of course, entertainment was free. But what struck me when we actually got off the plane, there was a gentleman who was, uh, I think, from their management. And he actually stopped till everyone got off and started helping the staff clean the plane uh, because that's part of their culture, you know, in terms of collaboration, in terms of working together, in terms of that personal touch. So it also shows that what we see as passengers is perhaps what the culture of of JetBlue was and to a large extent perhaps is even today. Um, I just wanted to maybe, I pulled out a, a sort of not to forget about David Newman, my namesake, uh, who founded JetBlue and of course a lot of other airlines and I think he keeps liking the word blue. You know, you've got the airline that he founded in, in, uh, in South America, Azul, which stands for blue. Breeze, the most recent airline that he's created is or formed is Breeze. Of course, there's no blue in that, but Breeze sort of, you know, feels like blue. So, you know, so he said, and I just want to just quote from what he says, you don't have to spend a zillion dollars on advertising to get your work out. What matters is that customers have a good experience with your product at every single point of contact. And I think, you know, what Alex told us just now is it seems that at every single point of contact, whether it's on the ground or it's in the air, you know, it's been a sort of experience that I'm sure she'll remember. And next time when she has the option of airline A and airline JetBlue, I'm sure she will say, you know, I prefer JetBlue. Are you a loyalty, uh, a loyalty program member of, of, uh, of JetBlue, uh, Alex? I am, I am, but because I'm not flying them as frequently, you know, yeah, currently, like, I don't have any benefits or, like, I cannot redeem any miles or stuff, but, like, yeah, I am. Okay, but I think, you know, even without a loyalty program, I think all that they did was more than loyalty. So I think it's, it's we normally think of loyalty in terms of points, but loyalty can also be created in terms of trust in terms of personalization, in terms of convenience, in terms of the wow factor. But, you know, for me, I'm I'm really confused. Uh, I'm I'm really thoughtful about the long-term, you know, survival or or how JetBlue can thrive. Uh, There are three or four reasons I would have, and maybe, you know, correct me if you you don't agree with it. Uh, Doing a little bit of research on JetBlue for the sake of our listeners, JetBlue is, I would call, a medium-sized airline in the U.S., uh, about 286-odd aircraft, all narrow-body aircraft, which obviously, like Southwest, uh, you know, limits them to how far they can fly and where they can fly to. Uh, But, of course, the U.S. is is a really big country, so, you know, 
distances in the US are itself are pretty long. But I think JetBlue mm-hmm. always had this ambition of going transatlantic, you know, from and even prior to COVID, I kept reading about, you know, how they were waiting for Airbus with the extra long range to come in and that they can actually push the limits of of narrow body aircraft. So you've got narrow body aircraft. There are still constraints of how far they can fly, how comfortable the experience is. But then for me, I would say narrow body aircraft have the advantage of having a much smaller number of people, making it easier to personalize. So which means, you know, when you try and personalize an Airbus 380, and I think Emirates has uh, more than 80 seats, I'm not sure. So on, on even business class, business class becomes like economy to a certain extent. So a narrow body aircraft is easier when it comes to personalization, as your experience pointed out. Uh, it also is more profitable because sometimes it's easier to operate a narrow body rather than a wide body. But then again, you've got the sustainability side of it where the argument is why operate multiple narrow bodies when you can sort of cram people into a wide body aircraft from a sustainability perspective you know that could be sense and if you look at what's happening in Schiphol with the government restricting slots you know in terms of of the initiatives so my question is Alex is you've also taken a wide body flight in the US which was an aircraft type I think most of the youngsters around here will, around the world will not remember, the 767. Gentlemen, you heard me right. It's not the 787, it's a 767. So, And not 747, it is 767, yeah. Uh, that was, how was that experience? Uh, <laughs> that experience, as, a, as an Afgeek, you know, I actually like 767. I think it is very different from other uh, aircraft and I enjoy it, you know. It, I think it's like very powerful and takeoff, it's like, it, it's sort of unique, I feel, on 767. At least that's how, I, you know, I experience that. Uh, for me, when I check the age of the aircraft and that aircraft, is, was my age and you know when I think of my age I'm thinking I'm so young and you know my life just starting blah 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 but somehow when I look at the aircraft of my age I'm like this is a very old aircraft very old aircraft I'm like how of course <laughs> I know that it's still safe and you know all good, but just like, you know, it's a matter of perspective. You know, I would rather fly on a on a newer plane just because you feel differently as well, you know, of the pre- because of the pressure and um, circulation of the air and stuff. But it was actually a very good experience, I would say. You know what? I was sitting in economy uh, 767, that was Delta Airlines. I flew from New York to Los Angeles, so five hours flight. It was good. I mean, considering its economy, uh, its day flight uh, got a blanket. Hello, sometimes in Europe, you are not getting this on a night flight. Even in European, my favorite, European business class, you are not, you have to back your favorite airline to give you a blanket there I've got a blanket you know they were um there there was via no wi-fi yes 
there was Wi-Fi. So Delta rolled out free Wi-Fi, I believe, just recently. But it's not available yet on all airplanes. And you can Correct. guess on that old airplane, it's still not available. And that is something that I found very funny because on some planes it's already free, but on that plane it was very expensive. I don't remember the number, but it's like it was 30 or 20 bucks for the entire flight. I think 30. Uh, so I didn't buy that. Um, I had my IFE screen, was just watching something. They were doing some like small snacks, so like some chips and stuff, which I didn't have some cookies, you know, this is for free. Uh, I think you can also buy something. What I loved and I appreciated a, a lot, I was sitting at the window so I could not get in and out as easily as I would want. They were going with water literally every 30 minutes. Like, David, this is the first time I see airline doing this so frequently. I don't know if I got lucky on that flight, but I appreciated that a lot. You know, getting water and on a five-hour flight without just getting in and out, it's perfect. So it was actually a very good flight. I enjoyed it a lot. Oh, great. I mean, it just shows, uh, just gives us all uh, listeners also a view of, you know, what do you call it, a hybrid airline versus a full-service airline, of course. But now again, I think the sort of boundaries are, are sort of becoming blurred between full-service carriers versus, you know, traditional, you know, things like seat, seat assignments, ancillary revenue, you know, things like that. So I think, you know, maybe in the future, the next 10 years, it'll be very hard to see what is a true sort of full-service carrier. Uh, I would call, I think we would have hybrid and maybe ultra low cost. And that sort of brings me to the point of, you know, a lot of this news that we've been talking about, you know, it's been going on for quite some time now between JetBlue, Frontier and Spirit. And of course, for, for those who follow the news, of course, you know, initially Frontier and Spirit were looking at sort of merging and then JetBlue jumped into the fray. They made a much better offer. And of course, then Frontier dropped out. But again, you know, I think that's an on and off relationship now with Spirit and, and JetBlue. Uh, obviously, you know, thinking about the news that came out today or yesterday about, uh, you know, KLM, Air France KLM investing in SAS. Uh, to those who are not aviation geeks, it's not software as a service, it's Scandinavian Airlines, just to clarify that. 19.99%, um, uh, of course, Scandinavian, pretty medium-sized airlines, similar to JetBlue. But of course, moving back to JetBlue. So JetBlue, like we spoke, is a medium-sized airline. If they need to survive long-term, they have to grow. And I think uh, Spirit uh, is an airline, of course, ultra low cost. So I'm sure if Alex was talking about Spirit and not JetBlue, uh, you would have to remove quite, I would say you have to remove 99.9% .9 of the things uh, that she spoke about. Of course, I've flown Spirit, so, so I'm able to relate to what they have versus what they promise. And fair enough, uh, they don't overpromise. They're very clear that they're an ultra low cost, yellow flying bus service. If I can use that word, because that's what it is, you pay for what you get. Uh, you know, forget mint, forget mint condition, or forget core. Uh, you know, forget all those fancy stuff. Uh, the seats are great, in the sense that they're great for the airline. They help to save weight. They're pretty light. They're pretty, you know, pretty thin. Let me use the word to fit in even more rows. But like an ultra low cost airline is, uh, you know, you get a great fare, 
they take you from point A to B. You want to, you want anything, you have to pay for it. But that's the reality. You don't want something, you don't pay for it. So for me, it's it's going to be a strange sort of mix when you look at, you know, JetBlue, their product, their culture, and when you look at Spirit, and uh, Spirit, of course, you know, comes from a completely different background. It's going to be interesting times to see what happens if they if they do merge. And my personal hope is, but again, this is where I'm conflicted. You know, there are, I've got two sort of split personality today. Um, uh, what happens is if they do merge with JetBlue, I wish that the JetBlue product would sort of replace the Spirit product. But then I am a practical person to know that fares are going to go up which means I'm not going to have access to Spirit's ultra low cost fares as a traveler. And that's where you're sometimes conflicted that you cannot have everything. You cannot get great low fares and you cannot get a super great product. So, you know, my question then Alex is, what do you think is the in-between solution? Do you, you know, do you, okay, let's, let me make it simple for you. Do you think the planes should be painted blue or yellow? <laughs> Blue. <laughs> blue, of course, blue. <laughs> so there we go. So first decision taken. So we all agree the plane should be painted blue. But yeah, but on a, on a serious note, I think, what would you think? What would you say? Yeah, on a serious note, to be honest, it's just so hard for me to be not subjective about it. Like, because I, as I already said, you know, I just love the airline so much and so far, like my experiences were amazing, you know. Um, it is like if I'm being brutally honest, a little bit scary for me as a passenger who is so in love with the airline to think about the the future that this merge potentially would bring. Because yes, I am scared that what if they are not able to maintain this culture, this amazing culture this uh, level of service, this personalization, the experience, because obviously if they merge, uh, you know, they will get a lot more aircraft and aircraft would need to be retrofitted. And, uh, you know, some aircraft would have in-flight entertainment and Wi-Fi, while others might not. So all of this complexity, you know, that merge would bring into picture, as a passenger who likes JetBlue, I am scared. Like, honestly, I'm scared to think about it. I, I'm just, my hope is that this move, if it's going to happen, you know, it has been sought through uh, by people who understand business much better than I do, who know their market, who know their passengers and that is the only thing as a passenger I could do is to give my trust in the airline's hands. If they are about to make this move, then there must be a reason. And hopefully they are making this move to make experience better for, for me as a passenger. Uh, hopefully, Alex. And I think, you know, that's where you said is that how does it impact the passenger from a broader experience perspective? Of course, you know, you always have the shareholders, you have the business imperatives. And I think with JetBlue, the challenge they have is how do they keep growing in a market, in a highly competitive market? And especially keep in mind that their hub, JFK, is pretty constrained. 
And even recently, they've been having challenges with air traffic control, lack of controllers, which is sort of inhibiting their growth as well. So, you know, they've got a great hub in the Big Apple. I mean, in New, New York, New York, you know, is, is New York is always an attraction and JetBlue is a great home carrier for New York. It reflects the spirit of, of New York. You know, and it was, it, it's a big city, but it's a city that everyone feels at home in as well. So we just, I think, we guess we'll have to wait and watch and see what happens. And we wish them all the best. We also believe, hopefully, that from a cultural perspective, to be, you know, it's not going to be easy when you try and merge two companies together, regardless of how similar business models are as well. Company cultures are always company cultures. So we wish them all the best. And I think we won't speculate on that. We'll just hope that the JetBlue culture, the JetBlue product remains as as great and as vibrant as it is. Um, I'm just conscious of time and I just wanted to sort of shoot you a few quick fire questions, right? Oh, okay. okay. So I'll give you a few quick Now, in terms of innovation, what do you think would uh, are the main sort of things that stand out when it comes to innovation for JetBlue? Innovation for JetBlue uh, yeah, all the things that I mentioned, I mean, most of it you don't see on other airline. Yeah, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi in Europe, where I'm living, you almost never see that on airplane and never see it for free. So Wi-Fi, uh, live TV, uh, you can order food from the screen. Basically, I'm repeating myself, but all the points that I mentioned today, all of it, it's about innovation, right? And ground experience at JFK in Terminal 5, you, it's a self-service. Everything is self-service. You have an assistance, but almost everyone is checking in uh, just at the machine, printing boarding pass. You see that in some other airports too, but there the entire T5 is built on that idea of innovation, I feel. Oh, what do you think is perhaps missing? And this is not an easy question because you know you you it's a very easy question very easy question berlin berlin on the root <laughs> network is missing that's the only thing that is missing berlin or at least germany that's it that's it if they add germany i am the happiest person everything else is there i'm fine <laughs> oh my god that that quick came out quickly pretty quick alex okay and here's here's one more so what do you think uh does the future hold for JetBlue as an airline i don't know i uh, i don't have my crystal ball uh, here i have no idea as i as i said i i'm just hoping that any move that they're going to make will make it better for them and for passengers, I think if they will be able to maintain this mindset and this corporate culture, amazing corporate corporate culture. And by the way, anyone who is interested, they can read the, this book uh, from Jet Who to Jet Blue. It's a great book. Yeah, it talks about corporate culture. So if they are able to maintain it, I think the future is bright. The future is bright blue if i can say that oh my goodness me so we we so it's not what you call it a blue monday i would call it jet blue wednesday we are recording this on a wednesday and um i think you know this is a pretty uh, interesting episode for me as well because it got a lot of thought processes going through my mind in terms of the experience that you normally get to see on most airlines 
what I call it the manufactured experience. And I refer back to everyone who's not listened to our episode number six with Vimal is manufactured experience. So this came, this seemed to come from the heart. You know, it, it came from, from, like you said initially, uh, Alex, it's not forced. Uh, it was natural. It's got that sort of touch of American informality without being too, I would call it uniformed or rigid or, you know, made up. Uh, you know, you felt like at home when you were on the aircraft. And when you, when you are home, you would love great food. You love a great experience. You love great entertainment. You like a lovely bed. And of course, you would like a lovely view to look out of the window as well. So I think, you know, it sort of ticks all the boxes there. And I think to everyone out there, maybe JetBlue is a good sort of case study to look at what they're doing right, why they're doing right. And maybe it's, it's a good experience to see how can this be extended, you know, to other parts of our industry. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I do realize and I understand that my impression and my experiences, they are very subjective, right? It's my own experience. It's how I see things. So if anyone who is listening, they had some different experiences, they might have different opinions, but I'm just sharing, as you said, David, from uh, my heart and uh, I honestly like, uh, you know, when I was making this decision to book myself on the inaugural, I thought it's a crazy idea. That was the first time that I've done this, but I, I would never regret that it's, it's worth it. And I would do it again and again and again. And I'm just hoping that the new route will be coming soon and I can jump on a plane <laughs> and, uh, you know, experience that again. Yeah. I know, and I just hope so too. And I think in ending, you know, they have the saying, I'm not sure of the exact word, so pardon me, everyone. They call it jetting off on a jet plane. So I would sort of change it a little bit, jetting off on a jet blue plane. Exactly. Everything seems to be about blue today. Yeah. And I'm glad that I'm also like wearing my blue short. <laughs> yeah. And my favorite color is blue, actually. So I'm, I'm, yeah. And of course, my blue was of a different shade. Of course, it was a KLM blue. But you're sort of getting me a little bit into the jet blue blue as well, Alex. So, ladies and gentlemen, before we close, remember the favorite, the favorite color in the world in, in scientific research is always blue. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Good. No, Good to that's know me, that. That's, that. No, no, that's me making it up. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's the best part of our podcast, when David drops something very, very, very smart at the end. And I think, wow. Like, and that's exactly the case now. Let it be, David. Blue is the most favorable color, or what did you say? I would say it's the favorite color in the world when okay. you look at blue and especially right. when you look at planes that are painted blue, all the planes that are painted blue are perhaps the best looking planes in the world. You know, check that out for me. Yeah. And I would just want to say a final word to our listeners. You know what? Uh, I have the, this about JetBlue, you know, uh, I also like some other airlines too, but like the Spark f for, for the airline. I really encourage you to find some airline that makes you feel good, excited, and 
stick to it. There are some great airlines, you know, and it's traveling. It's not always about like suffering. <laughs> it can be so enjoyable. You just need to experiment. And, you know, um, I have my, my friend from Status Match, Mark, he's a matching airline loyalty. And actually, that is a brilliant idea because if you stick to one airline, you never experience the others. That is also not a promotion, but I just encourage people to try different airlines because there are some great airlines out there. 100% agree with you, Alex. And I think, you know, that's a good end to this particular episode. It's I think it was it was a great one. And I think, you know, you know, it's it's something that, you know, makes me also think about when I'll book my next flight and on which airline. And hopefully, let's see, you never know, it could be JetBlue. Could be. Well... You'll keep us posted. Bye-bye, everyone. And uh, until next have time. Have a b- beautiful blue day ahead. Exactly. Bye.